The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM. This is the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, hosted by founder Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this podcast, Sarah and her team of therapists will dive deep into many topics on mental health care. Here's your host, Sarah Coates. Hello, and welcome to the Turning Your Life Around podcast. I'm joined again today with Allison Ernest, a licensed marriage and family therapist and sex therapist. And we are going to talk today about what is sex therapy part two. And Allison, I'm so glad you're here to share with the listeners the second part, the follow-up to what is sex therapy and just sharing more of your knowledge and some information for sexual health and better functioning. So thanks again for joining us. It's awesome to be here. I'm looking forward to getting into some more. So in podcast 24, episode 24, uh, part one, we discussed kind of an overview of what sex therapy is and what's involved. And I know you talked about some various aspects of sex therapy. And I think today you're going to focus specifically on sexual functioning and sexual health and other related concerns, right? That's correct. We talked a lot about what are the different components of sex therapy last time, and I even didn't cover some of them. There's just so many uh, different things involved. But today I thought we would get into what does sexual functioning look like and what are some concerns that people have about that or how do they know, how do they get to know their body a little bit better? So just a few notes before we get into it. I'll be using some clinical terms today. And that's just to be clear and neutral in my language. As I said in the last podcast, I also try to consider the client's comfort level and whatever language they use. And I really try to follow their lead on how they talk about their bodies and their concerns. But just for the sake of today, I I will be using some clinical language. And then I'll generally be talking about the functioning of the body, the mind, and the brain. And I'm kind of, I'm going to be following how it's laid out in the DSM. And the DSM is just our manual that we use to assess and diagnose, but I'm just going to follow that outline a little bit to go through the different parts of functioning. The DSM lays it out in female and male terms. So I will be following with that, but just want to say that we're all so different and there's so much variety in how we identify and how we express ourselves when we're considering gender. And this is something that just makes us have a a lot of different, just enhances our uniqueness for today, just for the sake of today, since we only have a limited amount of time, I will generally be talking about things in female and male terms. Could be something we get into at another time, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I appreciate that clarification for the listeners. What are the main concerns that you think people have regarding their sexual functioning? So I think of it following the DSM, I think of the four areas of functioning, pain, desire, arousal, and orgasm. And I plan to talk about each one a little bit and maybe how they intersect. So the first thing I want to get across, and that is super important. And I think such a common thing on people's minds um, when they're thinking about their, their sexual health is the big question, am I normal? Is my body normal? Is my experience with my body normal? And if you only hear this part of the podcast, then it's worth it to me because 
I'm here to say, yes, you are normal. Your body is normal. Your experience of your body is normal. Unless you're experiencing any kind of pain, which we'll talk about in a moment, you are normal. Maybe we are all organized a little bit differently. We have our own uniqueness, as I said, but we are all normal. Just start with that as a starting point. In regards to pain, if you are experiencing any pain, that's the first thing we note. And it's really important to rule out if you're having any medical or biological factors that may be interfering with your sexual functioning or health. So with that, we we try to rule it out by visiting the doctor, visiting a gynecologist or urologist maybe. And we rule out those factors. And also maybe if we can't rule them out, we try to understand them better so we can work with them. So you still can experience comfort and pleasure and all of that. So that leads us to desire. And that is definitely by far one of the most common things people talk about in therapy. And when they're in a relationship, not in a relationship, it doesn't matter. It seems to come up the most. Desire and arousal are two different things. And you'll see in a moment why that is. But desire is part of the brain that says, I want to have sex, or I, maybe I don't want to have sex, but it's the, it's the want part of us. So I like to think of it as an openness or an interest in engaging in some kind of sexual activity. So maybe, maybe you don't notice a, an overt desire, but you have this openness to engage in some kind of closeness with someone or some experience of pleasure. So with that, I think the context is really important. We take a look at what's going on in your home, in your bedroom. Is there anything that's getting in the way of you experiencing desire and arousal and pleasure and all of that? Your physical surroundings? Is your bedroom a mess? And that's all you can focus on. Did you just have a fight with your partner and you're not feeling so close to them? Are you not feeling great about your body? Maybe you're really tired. Maybe you just ate a big meal. These are all different factors that can interfere with our experience of desire. So a lot of times I hear from clients that maybe they don't feel that, like I said, overt desire, that obvious, I want to do this right now. I want to engage in sex right now. But they have this knowing that they want to want that. And to me, that is a great starting point because it shows that there's some openness there. There's some motivation for your own pleasure, for your connection, for your experience with your partner. That is a definitely a common thing. And if you're experiencing that, you're not alone. So hearing you talk about this desire piece, and Mm -hmm. you were just talking about context, how important just exploring the context of your physical environment, your surroundings, Mm -hmm. maybe what's going on with your children, if you have children and child rearing and parenting. Anyway, it made me think about how on last week's podcast, you talked about a lot of sex therapy is talk therapy. It's it's basic psychotherapy. It's talk therapy. And when you and the client are addressing desire, you're looking at the environment and talking through, can you reduce certain stressors? Can you increase certain things? So that makes a lot of sense to me. If I was conceptualizing this as a client, how we would even address desire, that's helpful. Yeah. And it's so normal and common for all these things to get in the way. And you still have an understanding that, yeah, 
sex is kind of important. Yeah, I've had good experiences in the past, but there's just so many things that I would have to deal with to even get to that place. So we talk about how can we remove some of those barriers? How can we prioritize your sexual health? And then you'll start to see how desire starts to come on board a little bit easier, quicker, you know, more, more obviously. But even so, even with all that going on, sometimes, like I said, people may enter into a sexual experience with their partner because they want to feel close to them, because they want to reconnect, because they want to relax, or maybe just feel some comfort. So it's not always about one specific thing. And we may not realize up front, I want to have sex right now, but we may engage in an experience to achieve one of those things that I mentioned. That leads to what is called either spontaneous desire or responsive desire. Those are two different things. You can experience both. I think the one that people think of the most when they think of desire or arousal is that spontaneous oh, I want this right now. Everything, the stars are aligned and it's it just makes sense for me right now. But that's not always how it happens for males and females. And I like to think of it kind of like a light switch where sometimes the light switch just gets turned on and the light is on and you know it's on and that's it. And then sometimes it's more like a dimmer switch where it's it starts out as off. You have a knowing that you want to turn the light on. And there's kind of a slow process where you gradually get into it. A lot of people experience that where maybe at the beginning, they're open to sex, they're open to an experience for whatever reason. And then halfway through or partway through, they start to experience pleasure. They start start to notice desire. They start to notice that they are aroused and they are into it. So that leads us to arousal. And as I said, that is a, a different thing. So arousal is more uh, the physical symptoms that happen in your body and also what happens in your brain. So it's not just physical. It's not just psychological. It's not just emotional. It's kind of all of those together. And just like with desire it can be spontaneous, sometimes unwanted. You know, sometimes we can experience some arousal for any number of reasons, but not have that desire to do anything with it. And again, I'm here to say that that is normal. So sometimes our bodies just just respond to cues that we're getting in our environment. And that is okay. You want them both to work together. But again, if the arousal is not on board, but you're saying, I want to engage in this experience, then we follow your words, not exactly what your body is doing. So we can talk about what to do to boost your arousal, to boost your comfort when you're experiencing these things and go from there. That leads us to the, the last area, which is orgasm. And this is kind of, I think, a big part of what people experience and what people they think about when they think about sexual health. It is just the body's way of, just the body's way of naturally responding to sexual stimuli. When you think about it that way, it's maybe not as big of a thing. And I do understand that it is one aspect of pleasure that is very important and it it serves a purpose and it's important to your sexual health. And I, I understand all that, but it's also just one part. So there's so many other components and so many other benefits of engaging in um, a positive sexual experience. You know, as I said, relaxation, connection with your partner, you know, release, all different things. So the orgasm is important. And we will look at 
what's happening for you and what, what might be getting in the way of that one aspect of pleasure. But it is not the end-all be-all. It's not the only thing. It's not the goal necessarily. It doesn't mean that that everything is a success if that happens. Um, and I know that might be difficult for some of our listeners to hear. Know that I do think it is important, but I don't think it's the end-all be-all. We look at your whole experience and what are some other things that that could be positive for you instead of just that. And that, you know, by doing that, that decreases the pressure that you experience and the anxiety, the anxiety to perform perhaps. And sex should be a positive and pleasurable experience, not a performance where you you feel anxiety or there's a potential of failing. You know, it's interesting you said that because I was just reflecting on the numerous female clients that I've treated over the years. And, you know, a lot of them that do have concerns with their intimacy levels and their relationship, that is a complaint from Mm -hmm. some of the female clients I've worked with is the lack of being able to orgasm during sex with their partner. And certainly, just like you said, there's a lot of other mitigating factors that come Mm -hmm. into play with why they may not. But yeah, just the idea that the pressure is removed, that they don't have to perform or they may not have to reach orgasm every time they Mm -hmm. have a sexual encounter. And then the flip side, again, if we're speaking of a heterosexual couple, the flip side for the male counterpart, not having to feel the pressure to perform as well. So I think just sometimes... Maybe part of sex therapy is just removing the stigma of the pressure point. Mm-hmm. Anything that's positive counts. That's one thing I, I tell clients and, and couples all the time. Anything you're experiencing that's positive from zero to a hundred is good. That's something that counts for something. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. I think with all four of those areas, just understanding your own normal is important too. Understanding your own wants and needs understanding maybe is, has anything changed for you recently or is anything going on recently that is causing you to feel anxiety or isolation or disconnection? And, you know, just taking a look at those four different areas to see what's going on. Allison, just thinking about males and females and the pressure that many people probably bring into the sexual encounter. So are these concerns anyone can have? Great question. Yes. So the cool thing is we are all, as humans, essentially the same. We're just organized in different ways. Our parts are organized differently, of course, and we, you know, our experiences, our thinking, our emotions, but we're essentially the same. And we're just, you know, have those, those differences, which means we all have complexity to our sexual functioning. And, and that is because it overlaps with so many different things, our relational intimacy, our self-esteem, our body awareness, our self-expression, how we bond with others, any anxiety that we're experiencing, any pressure, as we just talked about, and connection. So there's so many different things that our, our sexual functioning overlaps with, which can make it more of a complex thing. Again, people want it to be a simple thing, a straightforward, you know, problem with a clear solution. And in some ways I wish it was. And in some ways I'm glad it's not because it means that the more we understand about our own complex nature, the richer the experience we can have. 
So what brings someone to consider sex therapy for any of those concerns? As I said earlier, anything that's not maybe your normal, if you've noticed any changes in in your personal functioning, anything that we just outlined today. And then the big one is if you're noticing any anxiety, pressure, pain, discomfort, frustration, shame, shame is a big one, even apathy or fear, resentment. I could go on forever (laughs) about that stuff, but any of those things, if anything negative or uncomfortable is coming up in relation to, to sex, I would say, let's talk about it. You know, let's, let's see what's going on because as I said, sex should be positive. It should be pleasurable. It should be comfortable. It should be consensual. And if any number of things are, are going on or, or any one of those things is going on, then we'll, we'll see what we can do. And if you're not sure, just let's explore it together. Remind you that I believe in creating an environment that is safe, that's non-judgmental. I'm not here to judge anything that's going on. We're just going to figure out how you can experience the most in your life and how you can, your body can work at the, its best level. I I really try to treat the whole person because as much as we try, we can't separate out our parts. (laughs) We can't separate different body parts out from the rest of our functioning or the parts we don't like, anything like that. So I do try to treat the whole person so that you can have the best experience in life. I'll end on words of encouragement. Uh, So I encourage people to make that decision to prioritize your sexual health because it does matter. It is part of your overall health. It is part of your quality of life. We all deserve that. Well, this has been so helpful and I hope it's been helpful for the vast majority of our listeners. I I love what you just said there. You know, your sexual health is important. It does matter. We have physical health, we have mental health, and of course, sexual health should be considered as well. So if anyone listening today does find themselves fitting in some of these categories and they're struggling with some of the categories that Allison mentioned, feel free to reach out to her today uh, in our Garner location. Don't be ashamed. Don't be scared. Allison, if you just met her once, you would see that she is so comfortable to sit with and chat with about some of these sensitive topics. And so feel free to reach out to her. You can find her profile and her bio on our website at 1-80counseling.com. Thanks so much, Allison. I appreciate that. Thanks, Sarah. You've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, with five triangle locations to serve you. Learn more at 1-80counseling.com. This has been an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM, a Curtis Media Group station.